1: You are listening to uh, Mystery of Parenthood. I'm Trey, and that's Stephanie over there, and she's about to say a prayer. But uh, yeah, take a moment to slow down and listen to us, and we just uh, appreciate you listening.
2: Good morning. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, And through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. And grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. And grant that love strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in and through our families. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love, with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray pray for us. us. St. John Paul II, pray pray for us. us. May the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. So we are going to uh, continue our discussion from last week. Uh, we started um, going through the seven secrets of purposeful parenting, and I'm just going to remind you of the of the seven secrets. Uh, we, we we've already gone through the top three, um, but number one is purposeful parents know that parenting is hard. <laughs> There's a news flash for you, huh? Number two, purposeful parents keep the main thing the main thing. Number three, purposeful parents read and write mysteries. Number four, which we'll be starting with today, purposeful parents coach. Number five, purposeful parents build scaffolds and use funnels. Number six, purposeful parents tell stories. And number seven, purposeful parents say yes. So, as I said, we kind of went through the, well, we didn't kind of, we did go through the top three, and we are starting with Purposeful Parents Coach today.
1: Hey, I haven't been a coach oh my gosh. previously in my life. It's, it's one of the <laughs> things that I think is, because I think as, as parents, we, have, we do have to look at it like, I think coaching is really one of the better um, analogies. Because because a good coach doesn't just know kind of what to coach and doesn't know how to just articulate it, but they they're able to allow a player to go out in a game on their own and use what they've learned, and then be able to use when they do it in the game, come back and and, and evaluate. So the best coaches have the players who somehow are able to take what they've learned both in terms about the game and themselves and their training and go out on the field and outperform the person or the team that they're going against. And I, I think it's not about the outperformance, but I think that we need to, we need to be in the business of saying we want our children to be able to go out on their own and handle situations to go out into the playing field separate from us, with us maybe looking on or, or us keeping tabs on what's going on, but not being involved in the moment, um, in, in the actual event that they're practicing, Right. And so I think that that,
2: that would be called helicopter parenting.
1: <laughs> right. And I, you know, and so, so, and there's a few things that, that I think are important. One of them is just like, so we, you know, I'm an old football coach. You sit there and you'd scout a team. You'd look at film and you go, okay, they're going to do this. And this is how they're going to defend that. And the guy that you're going against is this way. And, and you teach that to the child and then you, either model it or try to mimic it so that they can practice it but then when it's time to go they go out and do that. And I think that we can as parents we need to be looking out in front of things that they're going to be entering into and thinking of because we're we're adults. <laughs> we should be able to recognize hey you better be ready for this or you better be ready for that. So for example, it's great as a young as a young child to you know say you get dressed to go to a wedding or to some in you know, first communion or or something like that and, and they may be in dressed up in ways that they haven't been dressed up before one thing you know on the way there you say hey listen you you look you, you look very beautiful you're gonna have somebody you're gonna have probably multiple people come up and say hey you look pretty or wow you look handsome what do you think the best and, you know, the best response to that is, you know, and then they may say, well, thank you or, or whatever. And then you, and you might coach them a little bit. Hey, well, you're going to look them in the eye and, and tell them, thank you. Is there anything else you might do? Well, you might say, well, you look very nice yourself or something like that. That might even be more excellent um, than, than that. So does that make sense? I mean, I can think of lots of reasons, but I think oftentimes when I've when we've experienced failure, particularly when they were younger, but even as they got older, it's when they were thrust into situations where we, we didn't take the time to kind of coach them on like, this might happen. I mean, it could be as much as, okay, listen, you're going over to eat dinner and they're going to set the table. Now all the kids may start eating before the mom comes and sits down. You you need to wait till the mother comes and sit down unless she says something to you. But I mean, little things like that, that you can coach them on that are things that that'll go on for a lifetime.
2: Well, and I think you're also building that relationship of, um, you know, of, of information and of, of respect and, you know, where they, they go to, they go, they will look to you, um, in the future, because like, I know, like we've always said, we you know by the time your kids get to be teenagers, you want to be on their list of people, right? <laughs> that they want to come talk to, um, and so those are very simple, um, uh, you know, ways to open that door in in that kind of relationship with your child, um, that rehearsal and role play and. Um, you know, passing on of
1: information. And you'll and you'll be surprised at if you do that and then they have that positive experience that, that at other parents who may come to you at some point and say, "Wow, that was they really handled themselves well. And then make sure to go back and praise them for doing that. that I mean, that's what you just keep building on that. And help them recognize, you know, we always, we always are very quick to say when somebody compliments us for the way you behave, that is, that is the fourth commandment. You are honoring your father and mother, That, that, that not, not by saying anything to us, but by the way you're behaving in front of other people. And when they say, man, your kids are such a joy to be around, or wow, they behave themselves very well, or any of those things— we say thank you for that. You honored us oh, positively. Yeah, uh, I,
2: I think, um, I, you know, I think in, in addition to that, you know, we, we talked to, we talk about our name, um, you know, just like we are children of God and we want to label ourselves as Christians by our behaviors. I mean, that, you know, that when you're when you are out in this world, like Trey said, you are honoring the Cashin name, and I love our son, I don't know if you remember this, He he's texted us to this, or said this to us several times, when we've Complimented him on his playing, or you know, um, we've got one that really loves football and, and 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 plays the game pretty well. And you know, when we when we compliment him, he just sent us a recent text that said, "Well, I wear I wear your name on my back and to the, and my place to the glory of God." And I thought, "Oh my yeah. gosh, that's so cool!"
1: <laughs> yeah, that's uncoached, but I mean, I that, yeah. but yeah. but I mean, maybe it was, it, maybe it was coached all along because I was about we was say, say that. that's
2: what I'm saying. It's just that you you are establishing this relationship and this mentality and um, you know, the importance of honor and respect. Um, and you're something you greater.
1: Know. I mean, you're part of something greater than just yourself. So, you know, you're a Catholic Christian first, you're a cashian second, you're you third and, and, and everything that you do represents that. I mean, I, if you turn on Texags here, they'll, they'll have, they, at the beginning of, of the, show in the morning you'll you'll hear a coach say you know play for the name on the front of your, your which you know Texas A&M's across the front of the jersey <laughs> the idea of it's not just you it's you're part of something great. greater and and that that actually kind of points us to really what we're meant to be as part of the church we we're connected and we either bring glory to god through our actions or in actions or whatever, or, or we don't. But that's what we're called to do as part of his family. So I don't know, it looked like maybe Thaddeus had something he was going to say, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah,
0: how are you guys doing today? Good, how are you? Good. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had a question about, um, you know, coaching is also a lot of um, motivation, right. motivating your players. Absolutely. So how does that figure in with parenting? How do you Abs- um, How is motivating... Your children are part of parenting your children
1: well think I mean I think part of it part of it is like what we just said is encouraging them to recognize they're part of something bigger because I think it at our core that's what we want to be. I think when we put on an island, so I think that if you tap into that, you're tapping into something human and then I think the society tends to say it's all about the individual, but I mean if you let them know they're part of something bigger, I think that's it. The other thing is is I think as you know most coaches you've got to give them. Uh, more mo- more motivation from the standpoint of, hey, everything we're coaching you on is something that is as you perfect it, as you become better at dealing with people in these circumstances, or handling that kind of stress, or doing whatever are things that are gonna f- that are gonna make you be able to become the best you, whatever the you is. So always pointing out it's you know attention to the detail in the moment, but connecting the moment with with, hey, you're gonna be a great something whatever you are a great mom a great dad a great doctor a great janitor it doesn't you're gonna be great at something and these are all things that we say are traits or things that you should practice to connect with that i mean people go to alabama to win a national championship people go to alabama to play for nick saban to go play in the pros (laughs) So there is a connection between, and I think it's a human connection, between I need to know that what I'm doing now is going to have some impact on what I become. If we just focus in the moment, we can get lost without that that whole vision and action. The action occurs in the moment. The habit occurs in in, in the moment. But if we just continue to do the same thing without connecting to the out there, I think that people get either bored, frustrated, whatever. So I don't, I don't know if you had anything else, but yeah,
2: and I, I mean, I, and I think you kind of touched on it—the fact that you really, you know, need to acknowledge, you know, when they do something right, because we're so quick to find, you know, the negative and and to to try to correct the negative, and yet we need to. To kind of um, elevate uh, the positive, uh, you know, and we personally, in terms of motivation, I guess with the daily grind, um, uh, you know, and, and of course, this could be, uh, I guess, probably a whole show debate. Well, maybe not a whole show, but um, we never tied money to like chores, like jobs and stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. it was kind of because you were part of the family, kind of that bigger than yourself thing. Um, and, and, you know, and if, if we want to go out and do this if we want to go out and watch somebody's game or if we want to, you know, I don't know, go get ice cream or go do something fun. It takes all of us in our household to get all the jobs done. Um, and so that was, you know, I don't know, we never, we never used motivate. We never used money as motivation. I guess that's kind of where my brain went when you asked that question in terms of, um, you know, it was now there were chores in our house that were extra, like, Beyond what the normal day to day grind, you know, or something the, that we've
1: paid somebody else to do before yeah, that yeah. they would not, yeah, do that, you, that know.
2: you could you could opt you could opt in for, but um, but yeah, your 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 contribution to the family and emptying the dishwasher and sorting clothes and washing clothes and putting your toys away and you know helping to clean and straighten that was all part of being part of the cash and team,
1: <laughs> right. And, I, and
0: sometimes gonna... you had to use not just positive motivation <laughs> to get those t- <laughs> tasks accomplished. You had to use oh, some
1: yes.
0: negative motivation. Well, the same thing. People
2: ask yeah. me all the time, what, how, when? Yeah, I mean, I can tell you I have probably used every thing out there to, you know, star charts, flip cards. I mean, you know, uh, tape it to your your mirror bathroom mirror i mean and it just kind of changes over mm-hmm. time and i think mm-hmm. you have to mix it up but i don't know any system that isn't mom managed
1: <laughs> that's true <laughs> and but, if
2: somebody out there has one patent it quick and right. get it on the market cuz you will make a lot of moms very happy
1: <laughs> right and and i think i mean the, the the fact that you're you're right you you have to motivate Push, but you also have to have consequences to a certain extent, sure. um, and and say that there's standards that that we have to uphold as as ins or as you fill in the blank mm-hmm. as Romanskis or whomever. Um, so yeah, I that's why I like the idea of of coaching is that if you think of, of good coaches, there you're going to have sometimes when you jump on them for that, but you also got to know when to love them appropriately, you know, and you got to. Be thinking about, well, okay, with this kid, this works better. That a, a, a disappointed face is going to work way more effectively with that kid than you know, you're grounded or you got to go to your room or whatever, whatever it is. And then others, they could care less whether you're sad or not, you know, at least, you know, I mean, it's just it's not going to change their behavior. <laughs> and so, good coaches are able to adapt to the, to the player based on. How am I going to get them to perform this better? To desire to do it more? But you can't leave it all as one thing, and you meaning you it can't be all negative, and highly unlikely that can all be positive nice. <laughs> reinforcement. I mean, but I think parenting is tend to be viewed more often as the negative redirection, and positive needs to be. A little bit more than that,
0: I guess. One of the where areas where it maybe breaks down a little bit is a big part of coaching is using competition within the team to right. motivate kids to, you know, do those extra reps to be exacting in how they execute the skill because they want to get on the field. You don't really have that, but, in but it, in the family, so much.
1: You don't. It's not as a competition. It, it can – if you do it this way, it can happen that way because we do have had kids that have did, – did you see how I handled that as opposed to, you know, like how he handled that? <laughs> we said it's not. that's not what we want. So you do have to manage that. But I do think that 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 the more excellently a, a child hands – the more that you praise and show them, the more it kind of draws people – the other people towards them. So – it may not be a competition in that sense, but but it may be more like, well, that's who we are. That's how we handle things. And so they kind of tend to draw each other up in that direction. I, guess. I,
0: d- I do see it in my own family that I have the one child who gets ripped a lot. Yeah. And the other two that are, you know, of the age of cognizance, I do think that they see they're they're present for the ripping that goes on of the other child and i think those other two do see ooh i don't want to go through that so i'm just going to i'm just going to say mhm pa or look yes. him in the eye and you know do all the things that so i can just get this over
1: with as quick as hap- as possible when it happens to me so i think i mean i think that's true that's again that's part of coaching as well and you just have to watch you know i think it is important to kind of in, at least, in some to some extent, keep a running record of because you can. <laughs> a couple things: if the more kids you have, sometimes you forget that you haven't told that other kid. You think that you've I've said this enough times <laughs> that you ought to get it. Yeah, that's a, so true. Know? I mean, so no, it's, so, it's so, so you got to be I remember really. remember
2: the poor triplets when uh, I was you know, you know yeah fussing at one of one of them one day. So
1: make sure that they make sure make that they've sure actually that heard coached. that you've actually coached yeah. that child. <laughs> Um because we do think, well, I mean, how many times have I said? Well, yeah, we may have said it fifty times, but it was to the other kids. <laughs> it wasn't to you. Um, I didn't get my individual uh, <laughs> reps on this, coach. Yeah, I need individual reps. Um but I think I think that that's that's important. And I think that there are children that tend to not only by their nature but by what they respond to get more negatively reinforced. Mm-hmm. And you have mm-hmm. you have to recognize it over time, particularly if other ones are getting positive and they yes. see it, that it'll they'll get begin to think that there's something either wrong with them and start to take it negatively. We've had that happen. And and you have to make an extra effort to find something positive to say this is what we're going for. You know, we oh, love you just as much. Yes.
0: I have another I know something else I wanted to to get y'all's feedback on. You know, Robin and I are both former coaches right? and we've, we've had many conversations about this, um, over the years of, she will, she will say you absolutely not on everything, but in general from, um, from a philosophy, a coaching philosophy point, and I don't think I'm misrepresenting her here. (laughs) I'm not trying to, she would say absolutely you coach female athletes differently than you do male athletes. You motivate them differently. You correct their mistakes differently than, than you do than a male athlete. And she would all, and we've also talked about how, you know, the father daughter relationship is different than the, is critical. And the mother son relationship is critical. So how just kind of using that as a, a grounds for how does that figure into the coaching aspect of of parenting? Do you do you motivate the the girls a little differently? Did you did you coach the maybe
1: your probably. sons
0: a little differently, or maybe th- that's a future show? I don't know.
1: No, but I I think there probably was difference, but I don't I don't know if I ever thought to. I mean, I, to a certain extent, yeah. There's appropriate ways to handle a girl that maybe not be the way you handle a guy. Particularly as a dad, but um, but I but I think that um. I think that you have to. Again, identify what works, and for different, co- I mean, even on a coaching staff, <laughs> you'll recognize that different coaches have different relationships with the kids, and so they can handle a circumstance. Differently than than the other, mm-hmm. the critical piece is is that you're all pointed in the same direction. You're trying to get the same thing mm-hmm. out, the same thing headed, you know, the same goal. And so, um, I think that's really a important piece to the puzzle is to figure out. Well, who, who, sometimes you have a better relationship as a mom with with a son than a dad, and sometimes certain circumstances can be better coming from a mom or from a dad. And so you got to be purposeful in how that well, and how I can think of,
2: I, you know. Now I know for us, I don't know so much if it was the male, female versus the personality. Sure,
0: that's, <laughs> well, that's <laughs> there's that too. Yeah. yeah,
2: because there were definitely um, times when I knew I wanted to say something to to uh, one of the kids, you know, and it was like, oh, it's going to be so much better coming from him. Right. Right. Um, and I do. I have a girlfriend who, um. She had some struggles with her daughter and modesty and finding clothes that she was comfortable with her, you know, purchasing. And she said shopping got to be a nightmare. I mean, just a nightmare. And um, she was, you know, talking to her husband about it. And they came up with this plan that, I mean, he, they would buy the clothes. And then she would try them on for the dad. And if the dad told her that that was too low or too high or too, it went back. I mean, she, it was like, Oh, you know, so it's just interesting. Again, it's mm-hmm. kind of that thing. Mm-hmm. I think of knowing your child, mm-hmm. um, and, and who they're going to receive that information from the best and, and, you know, using each other.
1: <laughs> well, and so, uh, yeah, but I, I, think that, and that's why you have to talk about yeah. it. what's the best, who's the best person to handle this. Mm-hmm. and, I don't think it's good to always say, well, that, you know, sometimes it can get to where one person's the bad guy and one, all the time. Oh, no, 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 know.
2: and I'm not meaning that. No, I'm, I know. Yeah, no, I, I please no, I'm don't just saying, but I'm bad, just, yeah.
1: I think what we're saying you is is you need to think about, okay, how are we going to get this kid directed in the head in the right direction? Mm-hmm. And then I don't know if we want to go beyond that. One of the things that I think that coaches are really good at, they understand that failure is part of plan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And And I think sometimes parents – Ourselves included, um, and please forget <laughs> that failure is part of the process. Yeah. And failure is a growth opportunity. Failure yeah. is not a it, it's not a an absolute in that moment. That's where it happens. But if failure occurs, that's a teachable teachable moment. That's something to go back and so like modeling. So like you may it may require a negative correction. Something happens between two siblings, and one kid doesn't handle it very well, fighting over a toy or something like that. You may have to separate them, say you're whatever it is your time out whatever the whatever consequence there is, but after it's over and post confrontation waiting for a non confrontational moment, just kind of like going to the film room <laughs> you know hey. How might we might have handled this better, and you're coaching them on that and and then, hey, let's role play that, or we do may not say role play that so I'm gonna im I'm gonna say this is I'm your little brother this how would you handle that and you work that out, and then the next time that that comes up, and it probably will, you say, remember, hey, we had that talk before the it happens, <laughs> and you're coaching them and you're looking for that. See, we're always forward-looking, just like coaches. What's the next plague in a hole? What is it? And, and we want to make sure our kid's prepared for that moment. And if we can coach them a little bit just before it happens, like remember, this is one of those moments, and have them have a positive experience instead of waiting for the negative to occur, <laughs> then that's how it, how it unfolds. And I think if you do that over time, over and over and over again, purposefully, you'll find that they'll, you know, they'll begin to get it on their own. And it becomes more of who they are. And we always say that's what we want. We want that to be who you are. Somebody who knows how to communicate instead of throwing a temper tantrum. We want somebody who knows how to let people know how they feel in a very rational and calm way. You know. So anyway. I think I think uh, that's one of my favorite analogies. But I think we probably filled that up already. But um, <laughs> anyway.
2: Yes. So obviously purposeful parents coach. Um the uh, the next one number what is this number five number five yes number five, um, purposeful parents build scaffolds and use funnels, and I know that you have heard uh, our our funnel description more than once, but it's been such a such a great image for us. It, it's not original. We we <laughs> we got the the idea from um, when we were. Uh, in that, in that parenting uh, program, Growing Kids God's Way, that was a, a wonderful springboard for us, uh, and mostly because I think it allowed us to um, really make time um, it was initially a cassette series. Okay, I came dating myself. Do you right. do even know what, people cassette, even know even what, know what cassettes, cassettes are? are. <laughs> I do. <Okay.
1: laughs> You're old. It's man. the old time CDs.
2: <laughs> anyway, um, uh, and so we would sit down and listen to the lesson and do the questions and, and, and have discussion. And so it was just kind of a, you know, one of those things where it was a um, it was a forced time, you know, a, a forced time for us to sit, sit down and make the time. Because um, I know we can we can get busy and and you know, parenting. I mean that you do that on the run. You do that. You know, it just comes naturally. And and that's I think that's where we kind of got our foundation for the fact that no parent parenting's hard and it's purposeful. And and if you don't kind of sit there and, and and work with each other and together to get that get on the same page and and communicate, um, you know, it could be it could be a nightmare. Uh, so yeah. Uh,
1: and so I want the 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 idea of funnels and scaffolds I think teaches to two things. One, the scaffold is like we're building upwards, you know, we're building a person where it's something that's going up and ultimately when it's when it's built, the scaffold's removed. Um, a funnel is another again, limiting where what we're pouring into them can go, but then allowing them freedom in between the idea of scaffolds and funnels says that we as parents should set limits because both in both cases, there's, there, there's limits. Um, with,
2: and I I really, I, I just firmly, firmly believe this over our years of parenting, um, that kids want to know where the line is they not might they might not be happy <laughs> about where the line is but they want to know that it's there and it's permanent and it's it's solid um and i, I just I, I just can't reiterate that enough that they they want to know that you know there's a line that you know that that they don't want to cross and you know and you're going to have those ones that stay way back of the line and go you know like you said i don't want any of this for me you know i'm good i'm gonna stay right back here and be good you know and there's going to be those that just will you know run up to that line and stop right before it you know toe to the line and then there's going to be those ones that put their foot like right over the line and take it back (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and right over the line, take it back. And then there's going to be those ones that just jump on in, <laughs> jump right over the line, you know, but the line shouldn't move. And that's where you have to prayerfully and purposefully set that, you know, with, you know, with your spouse in your parenting. Um,
1: right. And I think that, I think that, that, that image of not, it not moving is, is more consistent with say a scaffold that's going up along say, the foundation or just outside the foundation you're building to, to make sure that it goes up in a direction. There are limits that over time and with different children in certain places that will actually change over time. And so there may be a, a no at this moment in their lives that is a yes, not may. There will be many no's that are now it's a no. If you can handle your responsibilities down the road it's yes and that's the image of the tunnel kind of rev- i mean of the funnel not the tunnel <laughs> tunnel would be bad but <laughs> funnel uh that is that is kind of angled up and the and the limits are are widening and if we're working from the narrow when they're younger up that it, their freedom is increasing over time what's really important i think on to understand on that is that in both cases, scaffolding and funnels, there is a time and you're working towards a place where the scaffold and the funnel becomes their own. It's not something that's imposed from the exterior. it can't be something that that is always there and i th- I think if you don't move if you if you funnel in the tube you know and just uh, you know in the in the um What I just, what do you drink? A straw. A straw. If you funnel in (laughs) the straw, you know, from from all the way up, then it's always this line. At some point, like with a straw, it's going to become their own. And if they haven't learned and you haven't been able, and this is kind of where coaching and all these kind of overlap, if you're not giving them freedom to make a mistake and then correcting that freedom and maybe even taking back the freedom that you've given them, if you're not doing that, whenever they go out, they're not going to know how to establish it themselves. So I can say if you funnel in a tube or in a PVC pipe or whatever <laughs> that's going up and, they're, and they're, it's always the same without thinking about can I give them that freedom, then what you're going to have is a kid that comes out on the other end that doesn't know how to do it themselves. And it's not part of who they are. Everything has been set by their parents. And again, it's, it's like coaching in that what are we working towards? We want their heart, but we also want their behavior to become their own. We want their behavior to become theirs, something that they say, I am who I am and I am going to act this way because it's the right way, not because mom and dad are going to punish me if I don't do it. Now, listen, when they're younger, <laughs> you, you have to do that. But that's one of the positive visionary things that you tell your kids, I think, is we're preparing you to go out into the world. We want you to go out in the world and set your own limits. I have to set limits. Mom has to set limits. There's not a human being who's successful at anything that doesn't have to say no to things they'd like to say yes to because they have a more important yes to say.
2: Right. And and you know we need to to discuss that with our children cuz you know it's one of those things that you kind of don't realize that you know I mean you know what you know in, in in your in your own body and what you do every day and what you have to say no to and what you have to say yes to and the fact that you know y- y- we all live in a funnel. I mean there are constraints. Um, unless you want to break the law, <laughs> so um, you know, make sure that you give examples to your kids. I, I'll never forget when one of the kids, you know, we were talking about this one day, and 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 they said, "Well, well, y'all get to do whatever you want,
1: right?" And we're you like, "Correct Is them on that, that
2: what you think? <laughs> no, do you you know? And and I, I'm still And this is Trey's analogy, but um, you know, it's like, do we? You know, I, I think it's a great um analogy to, in, in talking about freedoms is that, no, we don't have the freedom to do it. Can we go outside and drive on the wrong side of the road just because that's what we want to do? Would you feel safe? You know, in, in explaining to kids why there are rules, uh, you know, for our protection and for our safety, I think that... That's such a great, you know, analogy. Would you want to get in a car if you didn't know that everybody was going to drive in, you know, in one direction going one way and in another direction going the other? Had certain speed limits. You can't drive on the sidewalk. You have to stay on the street. And I mean, you know, just those kinds of simple little analogies can help kids understand that you will always have some sort of, of funnel, whether it's parentally imposed or, you know... <laughs> Federally or state imposed, <laughs> right? And I think
1: it, I think that's a that's an important thing, particularly as they grow older, to teach them that, that to have limits does not mean to lack freedom. In fact, in fact, limits allow freedom to happen. Now that's a, that's a little older, but you, but you can you you can they can learn it pretty easy if 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 they start playing a game and you just start, you know, breaking the rules to win. <laughs> What's wrong? You said, you know, I need to get the ball in this basket. And, you know, and who said dribbling is what you have to do to get there? I mean, you know, if you they they begin to learn, well, it's not that's not fair. Of course, it's not. The game cannot even have meaning without boundaries, without officials, without somebody to say, that's right or that's wrong. Now, I, for all you Saints fans out there, <laughs> you know, I can't we're all human, there. but anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> but, but, but hopefully we as parents are like, and so like policemen for that. I mean, if somebody's breaking the rules, don't you want somebody there to enforce that? Yes, doesn't that make you feel more free, more comfortable to know that if somebody does choose to do that, there's at least people out there enforcing it. So as a family... We, as parents, are going to be enforcers of those rules, and those rules are there for you but anyway, I think that I think that that's that's important, but we want to think in terms of we're setting limits for them, but we're moving towards removing telling them not that the limits are removed but that that eventually they have to become their own. And so that's why we move towards like when they're seniors we've talked about this before saying I don't need to be waking you up, I don't need to tell you you need you need to eat, I don't need to be telling you to make sure you brush your teeth. I mean, we can check those things, but they should be handling it themselves. Absolutely. So that's part of b- building scaffolds and using funnels. So,
2: number 6, purposeful parents tell stories.
1: Man, I tell you what, um, that is one of the i think most important things that you can do as a parent i and what do I mean by stories? I mean, tell stories from the Bible when they're younger if they can't read it um show stories but but have your own stories the stories about when you you and your wife met, or you know great story about your grandfather or your or your grandmother um or your aunt or uncle or 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 a friend and and that those are such cuz we all love to hear stories so you tend to have their attention a lot more particularly if it's people they know um i just think that we have got to learn how to tell stories because i mean for me my i mean my my the best example i had I mean both my parents did great jobs of doing that but but my grandfather I remember vividly you know telling him telling the story about when he was drafted and and selling the house and you know and I mean I remember just being enthralled in college, you know listening to him tell the story about how moved your mom and your mom and your uncle and your grandmother up to her mother's house and I went off down there to 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 do it. I mean, we all were scared about the fact that, you know, I was a dad going off to war and people died at war and all the things that they were going through and how he got there. And a doctor said, you know, I remember the doctor said, what the heck are you doing here? You're like 38 years old. And he's like, well, I got, here's my thing. And he goes, man, you know, go eat a big steak and come back (laughs) and, and come back tomorrow morning um and let me check your blood pressure at that moment <laughs> and got him got him 4F sent home and and about you know he I remember him carrying that on and saying so god was watching out for for us and it was such an exciting moment for me to drive up that driveway and them unexpectedly they didn't have cell phones we didn't even have cell phones when he was telling me the story <laughs> but but anyway well, i i just I,
2: think that you know it, it we find similarities. We, I mean, you know, we we find who we are. Um, you know, I know that y- you've read stories in the Bible or, or read a verse in the Bible that's really, you know, grabbed you or or, or, or meant something to you um, or spoke to you. And and it's the same thing with our families. I mean, just like the Bible is a history of our ancestors, and so is our, our families. And I, I just think it's so important for who they are and, and how they contributed, um, to, you know, to never be forgotten. I just love, unfortunately, my mother-in-law died at a very young age and we only had two children at the time. And, um, you know, Madison was only 18 months old, but yet we've talked so much and told so many stories about mom, mom cash and we called her Mamu that she, She'll it's even. Like she's, it's, it's yeah. It's like she's, she's known her forever, and she'll say things. You know, I I think I think I do this because I'm like Mamu, or you know, and and the most unbelievable story I have is is when Kingsley, um, just several years ago. So Mom Cashin died in 1998. Kingsley was born in 2001, three you know three years after the after the fact, and she was doing a story for school, and um, she was writing uh. A, about her grandmother and she said how old was I when she died <laughs> and i said sweetheart you never knew her you were never even born when she... but she in her mind she was you know she had a relationship and she knew you know she knew about her grandmother so i just think you know that it's part of it's part of our history it's part of our heritage it's you know part of what we want to pass on to to our kids and i
1: think again it's it's part of an important piece of helping them feel like not feel like know that they're part of a whole, they're part of something more than themselves that that even if the person's not there. so what is the church? That's exactly that. So as a domestic church, just like the church puts forward saints in their lives and tells the stories of those people, of the great ones, Mother Teresa and and John Paul II and Saint Francis, and you just go down the list of all of them and you all have your favorites. We, in our family, we should do that as well, but in our families, we should be able to to tell stories about man, I love this, or you know I can remember when when Bami, my grandmother, you're great, you know fried squirrel for us, you know I mean things like that squirrel, really <laughs> I mean, but even little stories like that that they they understand they're part of something bigger than. Just where they find themselves here, I think it's so important. But try to tell stories. I mean, you can cheat and use other stories. I mean, you can you can read saint stories. You can do that. But I yeah, think those are important too. Those are very important. <laughs> <laughs> they are
0: important. I think just a little aside here before we go on to um, seven, the last one <clears throat> is this: this telling family stories. You know, sadly that's harder to do for more and more people today because you have to have generations of intact families mm-hmm. to be able to tell those family stories and yeah. to have a family lineage. And I think that's a, that's a real loss in our, our cultural fabric, not, not to end this part, this number six on a downer, but you know, that's just kind of a, that's an added benefit or it's a byproduct of why, you know, two people coming together staying married and remaining married and that being handed on to the next generation and the next generation is is so important
1: well it is and i mean the reason another thing that just came up is just this past weekend my brother came over and we don't you know we don't see each other that often and we began telling stories and i said i will tell this story and i mean the kids were just i mean they were talking about college high school kids that normally you think well you know we're not hanging out. I mean, it was they—they they were enthralled Wrapped, with like the stories of like when we were younger, and and uh, oh, you remember this tray or whatever. And I—I I mean, it's like they were there. Mm-hmm. And I, I just, like I said, so uh, to the best of your ability. If I, and you're right, unfortunately that they don't. It's nice that my brother can just walk around the street to come and handle something, and then it kind of devolves or evolves or becomes a whole night of just telling stories again. I, I just, I, I try to do your best. If it's anything, even just remembering good stories about your grandparents or, or, or something and just, Oh, I used to love when my grandmother made this or whatever.
2: Okay. We're going to move so, on to number seven so we can get through all seven purposeful parents say yes.
1: And I, and I think that there that there's several layers to purposeful parents saying yes, but what I meant when I did that um, was that we look to say yes. I think parenting is we, – we've, we've already talked about the no's, which is setting the limits. The, but we have to look to be saying yes. So anytime a child asks something, I think the first – if you're doing like one of those – I'm not a computer guy, but like a flow chart that said, okay. The, I think the first thing that should pop up is, is there any way I can say yes to this request? Uh, This should be the first thing. Is there any way that I could say yes? And if the answer is yes, then figure out how to try to say yes. And here's why. You're going to have to say no sometime. They have to know that you're trying to say yes. I've worked in places where bosses always said no, and you start feeling like you're fighting against them. You're supposed to be on the same team. And I've also worked for guys who I knew were trying to say yes. They wanted to say yes. They were pleading, give me a reason to say yes to this. And you loved working for them. And so you could take a no. And they would say, I can't say yes to that. Because they know that you're trying to figure out how to say yes. So I think it may be counterintuitive, but your kids need to know that you're trying to say yes to the things that they request. You want to. Say yes to that. Um,
2: Well, and I think just like with God, (laughs) we're supposed to be that example. um, I love that, you know, a friend shared this with me the other day is that, you know, God, God really doesn't ever say no. (laughs) He says yes. He says not now. Or he says, I have a better plan. And so. I think that if you can frame that with your kids, I mean, because why do we say no? We say no to protect our children. Um, Most, you know, I mean, right. For the most part. And so to be able to explain that in the positive, you know, um, just like looking for positive behaviors instead of always correcting the negative, um, it just creates a balance where. The kids feel like I think that they have some dignity and they have some skin in the game, and obviously you can't do that when they're two. Usually, (laughs) it's something you know at at two you're establishing you know your authority, but starting that relation, starting to build that relationship. But where you want that to go with your children is that you you want to disciple them and you want to end up walking alongside, not as friend, that will come, but but you want to be discipling them. Um, right, and I, so.
1: and again, I think, I think that most of our kids believe that we're trying to say yes. Now, I mean, I, th- I mean, we we want to. One of the things about that is, is if we say no, and we've talked about this before, to ask if they can appeal is really important, and that's where you're saying, I want to say yes. I'm saying no, but if you can provide me with some more information that would help me say yes, I'm open to saying yes. Yeah, there's only five more minutes on the show. We're, we're at the very end. Can we wait to come down for dinner and watch that? That's additional information. Yes. Actually,
0: there's only two minutes left on this show. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> you like how is. I did that? You like how I did that? Segue. That's awesome. That's awesome.
1: The, I think the other one, Thaddeus brought it up, and we'll uh, wrap it up, is that I think parents need to be known for saying yes in terms of their embracing of life and, mm-hmm. and, and what God's plan is and that yes. we're meant to raise our children and so we're saying yes to the fact: if God gave them to us, we are going to be purposeful in our parenting. We're gonna we're going to take seriously the stewardship role that they've given that God's given to us in those kids. So yes, um,
2: it all started with Mary's yes, <laughs> yes,
1: did so. I so anyway, those, so those are the seven. Um, I, I think uh, if you chew on them uh, and and implement them, I think that really sums up the way we've tried to parent. Mm-hmm. Um, in the in the best most concise and fully rounded way that I know.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, our verse today is going to be from Proverbs 29:17. Discipline your children and they will give you rest. They will give you they will give delight to your heart. So it's a uh, Discipline's that, hard. <laughs> yes. And sometimes it's not fun. But remember it sounds like discipleship and that's what we're supposed to be doing with and, our and, kids. And
1: as kids have gotten older, I can tell you right now, that it that is there's nothing more true than that statement. There's yes. great joy, there's great in, delight in, in, in the <laughs> end and the fruit that comes from being purposeful.
2: Absolutely. And remember, only God can help you take the mystery out of parenthood. Pray, parent with a purpose and prepare for God to amaze you. God bless you Pray for us We're praying for you God bless From the
0: cross To the grave Into heaven From the cross